This podcast is brought to you by Hello Future. Do you want to drive innovation in your organization, futurize your enterprise, expand your patent portfolio, create amazing new profitable products and services, or effectively project manage to market? Then contact us today, hellofuture.co, and get started. Why listen to the past when you can listen to the future? Welcome to the Think Future podcast, broadcasting from deep in the heart of Silicon Valley, California. We focus on innovation, startups, and the future, not necessarily those and not necessarily in that order. Here's your host. All right. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. This is great. Great to meet you. This is how we meet each other nowadays, of course. Uh, yeah. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your organization and uh, what you're passionate about. Oh, yes. All right. So I'm uh, Tessa Finlove with Dolby Laboratories, and I am um, our internal foresight strategist, which is very fun. I'm the first um and the first internal role that's just dedicated to helping us research the future and understand I love how it. I the love it. future may impact us. Yeah. Um, and so that is also coincidentally what I'm passionate about. Nice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Understanding. Well, it's great when those when those Venn circles overlap, right? <laughs> yes, it's very exciting when that when that does happen. So that you know, a big piece of that is understanding how to. Um, how to take the uh, art of long-term thinking and foresight and making it useful inside a company, which is not a straightforward path. Oh, that's an incredible challenge. And I'd love to hear how you did it. I mean, were you always were you always in strategic foresight uh, or did you move from something else? Well, I came from uh, Institute for the Future. Oh, nice. Dolby, and uh, I was with them for <laughs> like over over a decade more or less so i really grew up i thought nobody ever left the institute for the future that place is so cool <laughs> <laughs> it is a challenging place to leave yes because it is such an interesting exciting place to be yeah uh, but i really i grew up in iftf and i that's where i cut my teeth in the futures world so to speak and uh so yeah joining dolby is a is an opportunity to take it full circle and understand how to apply it internally what do you find so i'm assuming that you're finding it a challenge to present the the further future out stuff that we were doing at the itf iftf to your management internally to your leadership yeah it's um you know it depends on who you talk to which is mm -hmm. to be expected um in many ways dolby is on the leading edge of a lot of technology and there are, there's a lot of, there's creation of a lot of patents and deep scientific research and knowledge that happens in Dolby, and the creation of new technologies that um, help shape the future of um, sound and sight. At the same time, there are different kinds of business structures and customers and those needs, which tend to be much more nearsighted. So mm -hmm. some of it is bridging that gap. Um, and Yes, for the people who are more focused on um, 
keeping the lights on and running the business and making sure that everything is healthy in that way, it's, it's harder to have the longer term conversation. Yeah, but part of the work then is in um, bringing more people across the company, regardless of, across the company, across hierarchies into this conversation. So mm -hmm. that it becomes more um, strongly embedded. Excellent. So, so I'm curious to know how you instantiate your, the strategic foresight practice within, within Dolby, because I mean, I'm familiar with the IFTF and how, how they operate. And there was always that interesting gap between where the IFTF sits and where businesses might want it to sit or what to help the guide it to. And I'm assuming that you have that sort of thing happening there. So how do, how do you instantiate strategic foresight within an organization? Yes. That's a yeah. <laughs> $64,000 question, right? I haven't solved it just yet. <laughs> so, We're all still working on it. <laughs> yeah. Anybody's figuring that out, reach out to me. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is a really different beast being in, in a uh, futures research group or in, as a consulting, in a consulting road role than being in-house. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't make sense to spend all your time and money on doing long-term, um, well-polished, really well-designed research right. when you're in-house. It's more about what are the quicker high-touch, or the, the not high-touch, what are the quicker ways to help people have the insights or to help expand their thinking? And... Um, so then you also have to think carefully about who you're partnering with and how, because people have their day jobs outside mm -hmm. of, outside of me, there are limited people who have the actual bandwidth and time to do futures research. And there are people inside Dolby who do it in different ways. That's not to say it doesn't happen. It happens quite a bit, but depending on who I'm partnering with, you know, they might not have time to go out and do scanning and the research and to really understand the methodology and to come to their own insights. And at the same time, if I just come and I present on the future of entertainment or out of home entertainment or something, it's probably not going to resonate. So yeah. it's, it's a real battle in terms of figuring out, um, yeah, that dynamic of uh, helping people along the way to build their own perspective, but also creating as, as a fast as an entry into getting there. Mm -hmm. So are you finding that you're doing more of your own sort of futuring, I guess you could call it, or, or are you turning around and, and actually trying to expand other people's timeframes, like having them try to think out further out? Yeah. Um, so I've been at Dolby for about two years, and it's been a process of um, throwing spaghetti on the wall and seeing what's <laughs> It's been great. I've been very fortunate. I've had the kind of free range to have make experiments and float around the company and understand where there's energy and alignment. Um, and a so, dream job, I might add. Yeah, it's not too shabby. <laughs> not too shabby at all. Um, and the other, the other interesting thing is I sit within the people team, which is very unusual. Um, but what that, it creates a certain sense of... Um, um, ease and moving about the company because I don't have any I don't have any business objectives or territorial instincts around where innovation happens mm -hmm. and um, I just want to I just want to help us 
think more strategically about the future and about how the innovation happens related to that. It doesn't matter where it comes from. Um, and so that's been, a, that's been an interesting thing. Um, but to your question, I think, so when I first joined, yes, part of the effort was I need to do my own featuring and um, build the case for it and have some really helpful products, if you will, to show what it is that this is all about. Um, and then partner with different groups to help them do their, to help them do their own research and tie it to whatever they're working on. And then as I've gone further down the road, it's um, becoming clear that the best way in, um, which was probably obvious from the get-go, but the best way in is to create some cross-cutting structure uh, throughout the mm. company so that we have an internal cohort of people who are tasked with doing this work. And then I'm sort of a facilitative glue that can also add my own filter on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's definitely the way to do it because there are people within the organization who I'm sure are more future focused and you just need mm -hmm. to sort of drag them out and say, Hey, now part of your gig is this. And they probably love it because they may not have had the time or the effort or the group to work with to be able to do that yeah. sort of thing. So you're, yeah. you're like, like you say, you, the, the glue that sort of glues everything together. Yes. And then also trying to expand that circle, because as you're saying, there are those people who already have that long-term orientation and they're thinking about the cutting edge and they're doing the research. And those are the same people who are typically called on by our executives when there's a question about some new technology or some new trend. And so part of the work is also expanding our inner circle and expanding our perspective so that we're not, we're not stuck with, um, you know, falling into the same blind spots because we're relying on the same group of people. Right. So yeah. did you have a specific leader within the organization who said, hey, we need to do strategic foresight or how did you get into that role, I guess? How do they create the role yeah. for you? Yeah. Um, the Linda Rogers, who's the head of HR, she has done a lot of futures work in her, in her career um, mm -hmm. in, various, within various companies. She worked with IFCF a long time ago. And so she was, she was the person who brought me in and saw that there was a space for it. And that's also why I sit in the people team. Interesting. I mean, I've never thought of the HR group as the one to hold this function, no. mm -hmm. but it's actually makes a lot of sense when you think about it, because especially when you were talking about sort of being more free range and not being attached to a specific business or anything like that. Uh, yes. And if you think about it, I mean, it's a motivating force too, right? Yes. And so many times these conversations, they come back to questions around internal culture and identity and it's also a lot of it comes back to talent and ensuring yeah. and, and making sure that we're able to feed the right talent into the businesses. So the, um, the people team also need to be on top of what's happening in the external world and the business strategy and all of those things so that they can effectively help the business lead into that future and have the right kind of talent and the right thinking around it. And there's a lot of space for the people team to partner with the businesses in a very strategic way so that they are um, helping them shape their, their team and their talent and the structure of that so that they can effectively build whatever they're trying to build. So there's a lot of, there are a lot of really interesting ways in which it actually does make sense for this work to sit in the people team rather than it just being a happy coincidence. I think I would probably, yeah. moving forward, I would probably want to design it this way. 
Yeah. Well, what else? Unless there's a sort of dedicated R&D, but even there, it doesn't really fit right, right? Well, I mean, that's where a lot of the futures work already happens is within the R&D space. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where but the IFTF style futurist stuff doesn't really happen in technology, right? I mean, it's more cultural, right? Social, exactly. Yes, yeah. And so a lot of the R and D stuff, it's it's very technical, and then it's also very long term. They're just they're mm-hmm. trying to you know they're building something that doesn't exist. That's what we talk about in the futures world, but we're like fast futures, keeping the ball yeah. going, keeping you know our senses of what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of where it intersects with people, right? Because if you think about it, that piece, that's where it intersects with technology. But, you know, this stuff is intersected with people and how fe- yeah. the, how this stuff all affects affects the way it affects people. And it, it, so it sounds like a perfect fit to put it in HR. Yes. I mean, that's... Yeah. <laughs> and of course, you know, the future of work and how we get things done, that's a, that's a critical component of any company. And uh, yeah. I, at Dolby, they, there's... there's a really strong orientation in that in the people team to be proactively understanding the future of work and experimenting with different technologies as a work as a tool for work so that's um there's also some good alignment there they don't really need my they don't need my help within the people team (laughs) right (laughs) that's great so so sometimes when you bring some of the futurist uh, resources and tools into organizations, they might look at it and go, wow, that is so far out. It's not really relevant. I mean, have you, have you come across that? And then how, if so, how have you made it more relevant? Yeah, you know, it's um, the thing about listening to your clients and understanding the level of provocation they're comfortable with and just being respectful about that. So it does require putting putting uh, some of my personal things on the back burner and being more focused in on where where there is a need and alignment, um, and then but continuously trying to push the thinking a little bit further along. Though oftentimes I think that there's a big gap between, and this is the ongoing thing, like the when you're when you're when you're researching emerging futures and you're looking at like the third horizon, yeah, businesses is typically run by what's happening on the first, maybe a little bit of the second. And so connecting those dots, that is a, that's an ongoing challenge. Absolutely. Um, but I think part of it is, is associated with bringing more people into this kind of mindset and way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that is also tied to the external perspective and making sure what you're thinking about has a connection to the external world and what is happening in the external world. Right. But you're, but a lot of stuff that you're talking about isn't, isn't even, doesn't even exist in the, in the external world. Right. Or, I mean, obviously you bring in signals and other things like that, but there are some things that you're creating that are, they, they, they don't exist anywhere and nobody looks yeah. at it and goes, wow, that's too far fetched. I don't even want to think about that. Yeah, well, that, that, that happens within the R&D team, absolutely. Where <laughs> it's not, I don't even have to come in for that to happen. Yeah, there's, yeah. Um, I mean, there's generally a challenge, I think, in any organization where the people who are tasked with building the new things and innovating, if you're building something that doesn't, you know, it doesn't quite exist yet, that means there's no readily available market. And yep, so then yep. when you're transitioning the conversation over to product managers, they're like, well, where's your, 
Like, what do our customers say? They don't want this. Yeah, who am I going to sell this to? <laughs> exactly. So bridging that gap and creating the right um, resources and infrastructure for the people who are doing that level of R&D so that they can test their way up towards understanding of potential marketplace is part of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that allows you to, you have to sort of step back from strategic foresight there and do something a little more practical, right? Yes. So a lot of, yeah. And that's, I, a lot of this stuff is not, it's, it's a, it's a blurring of strategic foresight or futures research and strategy and innovation. And then um, people dynamics and understanding org structures and everything. So all of those things can, they have to come together. So when you're in, when you're in in house doing strategic foresight, the futures piece of it is just, it's one piece of it. And then mm-hmm. it has to fold into strategy and all those other pieces. Right. So in the tools that you use to sort of present what you're doing, what, do you, have you found anything that's specifically effective and, and more, and I don't know, uh, speaks to the, the corporate mindset more than anything else? Like if you look at all the, the, the wide swath of tools that, you know, Futurism gives you, is there anything that works better? Um. You know, this is maybe going to sound awful, but tools don't really work. <laughs> they don't? Uh, wow. Templates, worksheets, tools. They're good if you're facilitating a workshop mm-hmm. um, and you're getting your hands dirty. But otherwise, I think the primary thing is storytelling and mm. just having a really clear, crisp articulation for whatever future it is that you're talking about. I mean, obviously their signals, they always resonate and having some um, common language is important to help um, everybody get on the same page and understand what we're talking about. But again, it kind of goes back to this thing of everybody has their day job. They don't have time to sit down and do like some scenario building process or even to make sense of some new framework necessarily. So, and so the, the kind of the, yeah, the, the best tool is just being able to, to, to connect the dots and to talk about it really clearly in a way that connects the dots back to the business. So the storytelling piece is the most important. Like if you can really paint the picture of the future that you're trying to create, then that sort of triggers all sorts of other ideas and neurons into that space. And you don't really need any of these other things like news from the future or anything like that. No, I don't think so. And it's also, yeah, telling the story in a way that connects it back to the business, mm-hmm. which is, as you're saying, articulating, well, what does this future that we're building actually look like? And what does that mean for us? That's the best tool if you can do that. Right. Yeah. And the more people inside who can do that, the better it is. Have you, have you done, have you found that backcasting is important? Does that resonate? Um, it's, I haven't, I haven't done any like official structured backcasting, but the, um, okay. Well, so there's, there's the backcasting, the traditional back, the yeah, backcasting where you're saying, here's the scenario and then let's go forward into it. Yeah. Right. That structure, that framework makes a lot of sense. And that mm-hmm. is, um, it's a, it's a flip in the way most people think inside yeah. a company right most people are they're doing the traditional way of from today into the future and so yeah. just saying okay we're first in the future and then we're going to build our way from today into the future 
resonates and it makes a lot of sense. So that's definitely, yeah, that, that would be if, uh, yeah, from the lens of tools, that would be a good, a good tool that resonates with people. Yeah, that, that's always worked for me because it's basically like taking the maze backwards. Everybody understands that when they were yeah. kids, they were trying to go through a maze. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's much easier to go backwards. But then, of course, then you don't know if this if this future that you're coming from is necessarily the future that you're going to be going to. But hey, you know, at least it's something in the in the right direction. Yes, at least it's cool. something that's there. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of interest in putting more um, structure and rigor into how we are thinking about the future in, in, um, and ensuring that it's, it isn't, it isn't just a, like a happy random dance, but it's something that has been methodically thought through and understood. Right. So uh, have you had some feedback on how effective, see, I'm trying to think about how can we pitch other companies that this is something you guys need. You need a strategic foresight person or group or initiative within your organization. I mean, what have you, what kind of feedback have you had for yes. your work, which says, you know, this is great. I love that she's here and she's doing some awesome work and this is what we're getting out of it. Have you, have you got anything like that? Yeah. The, you know, the, the feedback that I've gotten has been very positive. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of, um, um, and some of the focus is, and there's a duality, right? If futures thinking, strategic foresight is interesting because it can be, it can be everything. Yeah. In respects, right. So it's like, let it's me. It's a nice the, big umbrella. Yeah. Let me tell you the a thousand ways, the one thousand reasons and ways in which we need futures thinking, and you're gonna like by the end of it have no idea what's going on. <laughs> But so within, within the context of future thinking can be more or less anything. And um, that means my job is just to also float around the company and, 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 and find interesting things to do. Um, yeah. one, of the, um, one of the things that people have really appreciated, which should be, I think, part and parcel of anybody doing this stuff in-house or not, is the external perspective. Mm. Is coming at any question, any problem, any con- any topic from the external world. I'm not coming at it from our financials. I'm not coming at it even from our, um, our uh, strategy or roadmaps. I'm coming at it from what's happening in the external world. And that's really critical information. And um, that's been something that people very much appreciate having that within their, within their projects. Um, and then it's, um, it's also, since I've been with Dolby, it's been a process of building social capital and meeting people and getting their interest and engagement. And I haven't met a single person yet who has been, um, maybe they're doing it behind my back, but I haven't met a single person yet who's like, I don't know why, I don't know why this is happening. Everybody's like, I'm so excited this is happening. I'm so thrilled that we're putting more focus on this this is a really important thing for us to understand and to do. And so those are great. Those are all really great signals that there's obviously a, um, an organizational need for more structured long-term thinking. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause I mean, if you think about what you're doing, no one else is doing it. I mean, is anybody within the organization doing what you're doing or was yeah, doing I mean, what you're doing? Are... Or in this traditional structure? No one really is. 
there are there are groups that do um, trend scanning and and they do some they do some they do trend scanning. Um, it's a little more near term than what we might bring to the table, and it's more um, siloed in their individual groups. Yeah, and a little more ad hoc. So the goal now is to create as a the cross cutting structure that goes across the company, which would um, allow us to break out of the silos and and have more of that connective conversation um, and have it on a more cyclical ongoing basis. And there's so many, there's so many complex things that go into running a company like Dolby and mm -hmm. having our, having all the different groups talk together and understand where are we going is a very difficult thing to do. And so part of it is just having that facilitative connective tissue, which in a traditional org structure, you know, it's questionable about where that function sits, where that role sits. And so that is part of it. And that all ties back to the, the you know, the, 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 the futures thinking um, uh, principle, I guess, that no one person is an expert in the future. And so it doesn't make sense for any one person to be sitting around saying, this is the future that we're all heading towards and I can right. perfectly align and here's what we're doing. Everybody fall in line. Mm -hmm. It needs to be more of this collective process that yeah. is kind of like a middle out process. You're talking to people up and down the hierarchies and they're passing it back and forth to each other. And hopefully that can create some sort of more organic shared understanding. Yeah, absolutely. Because some people might argue, well, well, that's what we have strategy folks for. And that's what we have R&D folks for. And that's what we have a CEO for. But they don't look that far out. I mean, there's sh you, you'd think that they would. I mean, isn't that part of what leadership is supposed to be doing? But it seems to me that they're not really structured to think that far out. No. And, you know, you can't blame anybody in those positions because I, I, I right. would not want to train my job for... <laughs> As our CEO or corporate strategy people, it's uh, it's a lot of stressful stuff. You have to keep track of so many things and so many details. Um, and so, yeah, you know, it shouldn't be their job necessarily either to mm -hmm. have, that. of course, to have that mindset and to have the, uh, the awareness and the ability to make sense of it so that when they are presented with some forecasts or scenarios or future trends, they can understand what it means and, and how to make sense of it. But they don't need to be out there doing the kind of putting it all together and thinking through the framework and understanding, well, what is the, where's the future going and where's our place in it? And they need to have the strong kind of uh, support structures in place to, to help that happen. Oh yeah, because it's, uh, it's extremely complicated. It's amazing how I think so many people try to simplify the world and the future and and just try to come up with sort of tenets and say, well, this is where we're going to go. But it's way more complicated than that. It's the real world. Yes, it's the real world. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and businesses are so complicated, too. So when you're marrying the external world and the internal world, it just the level of complication just explodes. Right. Because there's no, you know, you can't argue against the fact that there's a business group who's trying to say, well, how do we how do we get more customers on this product that we have? Yes, we do need to do that. Yes. <laughs> okay, so um, do you think that what you're doing is sort of transmutable? I mean, other companies should basically be doing the exact same thing because they don't have in uh, strategic foresight uh, per yes. person. 
and, or group. And I mean, and like you, you were saying earlier that you hear all the good things that are coming out of it, but I mean, what else do you think would be uh, a benefit? Yeah, I think it is transmutable. One of the, and another reason why I think it's an interesting function within the people team is so much of it is there's a strong connection to employee engagement. Mm. And, um, you know, when you have people who are working in any organization, they have passion for the organization. They should at least, right? They have interests, they have ideas. And there's always that question of how do we tap that energy? How do we engage people? And having internal foresight work is one way of doing that. You know, it's not a, I don't want to have the list of like, these are a thousand things that future thinking can solve, <laughs> but it is a big, that's a big. But we can of, solve a thousand things. <laughs> that's the beauty of it. <laughs> there, there's a big piece of employee engagement in this. And so when I've been going around the company, talking to people about um, um, setting up internal futures program, I met with so much enthusiasm. And this is from people who are, you know, high up in their career and on the executive chain and people who are early on as well. And um, that sense of, yes, let's get together and actually have these complex conversations about, well, what does, what does blockchain mean for our company? What mm -hmm. does, you know, what like let's actually parse through and dig into metaverse and what it means and you know network coding and all of these like crazy things that are happening that we have our various fingers in let's have the structure to actually dig into it and think through it and understand it together people are so um, inspired and interested in engaging in that process mm -hmm. um, then the trick is of course what do you do with all that energy right and how do you then uh, enable people to experiment with the ideas that they have and have input into, um, have an ear into the executive leadership? So that's the other kind of big piece of this is gathering the right people and aligning the right, the right audience and stakeholders and having the right social capital is a big thing. So it's um, it's taking it takes time to understand a company culture and learn, get to know people and then be positioned so that you can help um, connect those dots. So that actually leads me to the next question is, so your outputs, so what do you do with your outputs? Well, so there's a whole kind of dissemination plan around let's get this in front of all the critical audiences and then be basically informants on what's happening in the world and how it relates to Dolby. Um, and then being very diligent about connecting with having different kinds of roles. So one role are the internal, like the internal uh, futurists, the, the people who are helping us think through what's happening in the world. And then there's another role of people who are the internal strategists who are tasked with saying, well, how does this connect to our business? Where is mm. the Excellent. And then that comes together into like a comprehensive perspective. And then there's a whole nother level of now let's disseminate and let's connect it to the right places within the company, whether it's um, at the executive leadership level with strategy, with R&D, with product managers and making sure we hit all the relevant audiences. 
And then, and then there's another up, layer. Okay. Then, yeah, it can just keep getting more and more complicated. <laughs> just keep, keep adding. There's another layer of um, creating a way for people to, everyone in the company to vote and put their two cents on um, like the forecasts that are coming out, the concepts that are coming out of the cohort so that we don't get stuck in our own blind spot and say, look, mm -hmm. here are 20 of us and we think that this forecast is really important and interesting for Dolby. Well, why don't we actually put it out to the whole company and let people vote on it? And then we can see, oh yeah, the whole company thinks this is potentially very disruptive. It's not just those of us who are drinking our own Kool-Aid. Right. And so then that can also be kind of compiled into our shared understanding of not just um, the potential features, but the potential impact to Dolby. Very cool. And has any of that ever sort of trickled down back into product management and something's been created out of it yet? Some well, of those we're, we're kind of in the getting going phase. So okay. let's link back and uh, I can let you know. <laughs> <laughs> how many, how long do we need to give me for that to happen? But we do have some product managers who are part of the internal features group. Very cool. So, so if something were to pop out, then you're ready to act on it or somebody's ready to act on Hopefully, it. If they need yeah. But that is the biggest trick, right? Is connecting it back to product managers. Um, and yeah. <laughs> We'll, <laughs> well, you just backcast again. You say, well, what's the great, 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 great grandparent yeah, of this thing, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Let's start with that today yeah. and then we'll eventually get to where we're going. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then, you know, it's, there's, is, is having the connection to product management and products the holy grail? It might be, but I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not sure. The holy grail yeah. could also be having a really clear, um, story and vision for the future that we're building so that everybody can plug in in whichever way it makes sense. No, I love that because I'm spending too much time in the world of what's the ROI. So <laughs> if yeah. we can get, if we can get val value without having to concern ourselves with ROI, then that's great. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'm going to protect myself from ROI as much as possible. Just wall myself off. <laughs> A wall against ROI. I love it. <laughs> So typically we taught, we, this is our think like a futurist segment, but I'm not sure we've been talking like futurists the whole time. So, I mean, do you have any thoughts about where things are going to be going like 10 years in the future? Um, this is the question I always ask people. And then it's always when it comes back to me, I'm like, um, where is it going? You know, the things that I'm very interested in right now, um, I'm very interested in DAOs and understanding the organizational potential of um yeah those are incredibly interesting yeah. i don't know if i understand them 100 percent, but no, they are very very interesting yeah i don't understand them 100 percent either but they're um very interesting and it's i was so I, i'm on reddit and i follow various subreddits just to kind of keep up on things and someone posted on a subreddit for ethereum recently a question around how do i how do i actually get um how do I actually get a say in whichever DAO I'm participating in? I keep trying to grab projects, but I'm on a different time zone. And so I miss out on all the good ones. And I responded just to say, I want to know the answer to this too, but I don't think there's been a response to that question. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of, uh, yeah, that's an interesting space that I'm trying to follow and learn more about. 
and um, network coding, which is kind of a new thing for me, but uh, the ability to make the best use of our bandwidth mm. is interesting. Um, in, you know, there's so much energy consumption in everything that we do. And there's a ton of energy consumption in machine learning. And oh, as yeah. IFTF said Huge. many, many, yeah. And as IFTF said many, many years ago, everything is media. And now literally everything is media. And um, understanding how to make the best use of the bandwidth that we use, use the lowest bandwidth for the highest quality of service, I think is a really interesting potential future to ensure that we can maintain the energy consumption that, that this whole world will require. I mean, if we transition in, if we continue the evolution towards the metaverse, um, it's just gonna keep going. I don't know about that hard. term. I'm like, okay, this is like hoverboard to me, right? Hoverboard, it's not a hoverboard, but they're calling it a hoverboard. It's not a metaverse, but they're calling it a metaverse. <laughs> Could we call it cyberspace? Just an extension, a natural evolution of cyberspace. Everything comes back. Cyberspace. I love cyberspace. <laughs> <laughs> what would you call metaverse? Well, it just metaverse is like a metaverse. I'm thinking of it from the physics perspective. Uh -huh. Like it's okay. another universe, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, what what what's your definition of metaverse? It's like just a mashup of all real world and yeah, I, you know, I, I, uh, I haven't watched all of um, Mark Zuckerberg's metaverse reveal, but mm -hmm. I heard a, I've heard a clip or two of it and I'm sad because he is articulating, he's articulating something that seems like he's doing a good job of telling the story of what everybody's trying to talk about. And yeah. by doing that, he is positioning himself as Facebook as the leaders, whether or not they're actually building some, you know, no one entity can build it, as I think he's even been saying. Um, so yeah, I guess it is a it's a fully encompassing virtual world, which is an extension right. of the internet as we know it. It's just moving exactly. into a 3D space. <laughs> it's a virtual internet. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a virtual internet. <laughs> That's <laughs> I don't know. It's a virtual reality across the internet. I don't know. Is it an all all inclusive uh, um, surrounding virtual reality? It's basically just virtual reality. It's just a larger virtual reality, isn't it? Or an well, virtual, virtual reality, reality plus augmented reality. Yeah. And then yeah. whatever they had in uh, Ready Player One, that thing that was the meta. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course all of the uh, data and. Um, commerce and all of the other things that go into that. Yeah. So I'm not sure if I agree with that term, but it's, it's good. So this is, this has been great. Thank you so much. So um, if what's the best way for people to get in touch with you if they want to. Oh, just find me on LinkedIn, the coolest place <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And we, we got to do this again, because I definitely want to pick your brains more on, on, like bringing foresight into the corporate world because it desperately needs it desperately needs it yes yeah let's definitely circle back once once uh, we've gone roll the ball a little bit further that'll be that'll i be love cool. it sounds great yeah. well thank you so much thanks chris talk Take to care. you soon bye-bye